We are the Bride Radio as the voice of the true Bride of Christ. the bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army in the kingdom we recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood but with the principalities and the powers of the air we are a ministry of prayer and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe we provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army, so we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go, bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. This is a WATB disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are the Bride Ministries, We Are the Bride Radio, or We Are the Bride Television. Thank you. Welcome to Fireside Chat with Dr. June Knight. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change. Psalm 46, 1 through 2. Well, if that doesn't reflect today, I don't know what does. No matter what happens, you know, I keep talking about that in all these broadcasts. Uh, No matter what happens in the earth, it does not affect us because we have our hearing set to heaven And we hear him, and that's what we go by, remember? Okay, so here's the prayer. It's hard to keep up with the earth's changes, dear Lord. Maybe the psalmist was thinking about storms and seasons. But I'm dealing with technology, social trends, and the environment. Things are spinning so quickly that I find myself growing fearful at times. But I cling to this promise and I cling to you. You are indeed very present. No matter what's happening in the world, you are with me, beside me, and inside me. I treasure your companionship. Please calm my fears and embolden me to make the challenges of life with your love and power. Yes, Lord. We claim that today. You know, Brian, that is very interesting that God is with us all the way around. He's right here. He's around us. And he's inside us. It's pretty cool, huh? And then it says here, look for God and he will find you. Look for God and he will find you. Yeah, because the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. We are, Lord. We are seeking. Seeking you first. 
See in my kitchen back there, see the little eggs right there? <laughs> That's what I had for breakfast. I had an egg, uh, cantaloupe was my fruit, and then a, can uh, a um, cucumber. You know cucumbers are my favorite. Okay, so I want to read today Luke chapter 12. Let's turn to Luke chapter 12. <clears throat> now today I have my fellowship at my house. I'm very excited about it. So I'm getting the house ready for all these wonderful ministers and people that will be coming tonight. And we will be live, so we will be, you'll be hearing the word of God through these people and the worship from Steve Eads. Uh, he is so anointed. And so let's go ahead and start here in chapter 12. In the meantime, when they were gathered together, an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod upon one another. And I understand that in the press corps, it's like that too, boy. You, Everybody's so tight you can't hardly breathe because they're trying to get that picture of the president or they're trying to get their video enough where they can film him. I mean, it's like a madhouse trying to get in that little squeeze. That's why I have to stay back because they're all just like... Okay, so anyways, he began to say unto the disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. What? Yes. We've got to beware of this bride. I see it all the time on my uh, TV page. Uh, I've been under this demonic assault uh, since I've been speaking out against uh, transgender. Uh, they have been slamming me on there. But what's really sad, which we expect it, you know, through the world. I mean, it doesn't upset me because the world's going to do what they're going to do. But what does bother you is when they try to use that stuff and throw in Scripture. When they try to say that God endorses any of that vomit, that is where it's hypocrisy. Because there is no way God would ever support that uh, stuff. So it says here in verse 2, For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall be known. Now see, this is where we have to trust in the Lord. Because sometimes we get upset when uh, things happen to us and we want to act out and do something about it. But God is saying, Trust me, my daughter. Trust me. I will defend you. I am your defender. That stuff is going to come to the surface. So just let me have it. And sometimes that's hard. You know, because we want to take matters in our own hands. You know. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which you have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed on the housetops. And I say unto you, my friends, do not be afraid of them that kill the body. Come on. All them people threatening me on my TV page. I deleted a lot. Thank you. Somebody mailed these to me. Ain't these cute? Uh, I deleted those posts on the uh, WATB TV where all them was having a cow on it because the events already passed and I know how uh, bad news is good news. So I don't want to give them any more leverage. I don't want to promote what they're trying to do on this uh, day of silence. So I deleted it. It's already done. 
I did put a post up today. Thank God it didn't happen across the nation. God won. I let them know, you think you got it? God's got this. Okay. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kills the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. So all of our haters out there can continue hating. Because they may take this, but they'll never take what's inside. And that's what matters. We just... I, For myself, for my philosophy, I want to go out of this earth in a blaze of glory. I don't want to go out in shame. So I want to stand on truth no matter the cost. Uh, I'm not about titles. I'm not about power. I'm not about the elite. I'm not about trying to fit in. I'm about God's agenda, what he wants to do, speaking the truth, even at the cost of losing everything. I've already lost everything, so what else do I have to lose? I mean, I still have my children, praise God. Okay, so, and I say unto you, my friends, that kill the body, and after they have no more that they can do to you. So they can kill me, but there's nothing else they can do. Amen. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Come on. Fear him which after he has killed has power to cast into hell as well. Yes, I say unto you, fear him. Yes, Lord, we do fear you today. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Well, that's just the Lord confirming this morning that he loves us very much. Remember? That song, His Eyes on the Sparrow. Good morning, Pastor Carolyn. Good morning. Long time, no talk. Um, his eye is on the sparrow, which means he will take care of you, and he knows all the suffering that you're going through, bride. Also, I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, which means I'm not ashamed to say I'm a Christian. I'm not ashamed. Who shall confess me before men? Him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denies me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. Lord, examine our heart today. And let us know, Lord, if we, if in our life, if we are denying you in any way. Because we don't want to deny him at all. So, and whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemes the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. Now, a lot of people have asked me, what do you think the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost is? i tell you what I think it is. I mean, uh, I think it's where, okay, let's say the Holy Ghost uh, moves on someone and they you know express their love to the Lord I mean really I can't really say honestly because I was thinking uh, blasphemy in the Holy Ghost is like the way the Holy Ghost deals with me you know like if somebody blasphemes him uh, with how he uses a person I don't know Let me, as a matter of fact I'm going to look this up maybe somebody's got a good answer what is let me turn my sound up so you can hear Siri 
Okay, what is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Here we go. Let me find a good source. Oh, here's a good one. Focus on the family. Okay. This is the unforgivable sin. Alright, let's see. Do you, this is somebody asking them, do you think I have committed this terrible sin without knowing it? Here's their answer, no. It's important to say this right up front because we can see that you have deep personal reasons for raising this question. You're anxious about your spiritual well-being. <clears throat> and then they say it's important to pay close attention to the context of Jesus' statement about this unpardonable sin. He was speaking specifically about the grumblings of the scribes and Pharisees, which is what I was thinking. Like all the people, all the people attacking me. Well, no, the scribes and Pharisees were religious people, so it wouldn't be like a certain uh, unsaved community. This is actually people who think they're saved. This is what scribes and Pharisees were. Okay, after witnessing the power of Christ, see, that is what I was thinking. After witnessing the power of Christ displayed in the healing of a demonic possessed man, these religious leaders made comments like, He has bells above. Or by the ruler of demons, he has cast out demons. See, that's what I thought it was. I thought the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit is like when you are led of the Holy Spirit to help someone or there's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit or something, then somebody speaks against it uh, type of deal. Okay, so it says, uh, they weren't just doubting or even denying the truth. They were maliciously contradicting what they had witnessed with their own eyes for selfish reasons of their own which God judges the heart they were pretending not to understand something they really did understand the writer to the Hebrews might have been thinking of them when he spoke about those who have trampled the son of God underfoot and insulted the spirit of grace their proud and high minded attitude was exactly the opposite of yours so the way the focus on the family explains it is this. The sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit then is essentially the sin of rejecting Christ. Oh. Okay. What's more, the unpardonable nature of this sin has less to do with the punishment than it does with the hardening effect of the sin itself. By persistently rejecting God's free gift of salvation... In Jesus, the sinner sears his conscience and stiffens his neck. Eventually, he gets to the place where genuine repentance is no longer possible. Now, I want to tell you this, Brad. I have prayed for people on their deathbed. The Lord had me do that for 18 months. And the Lord taught me a lot about death. See, a lot of people that think, oh, I'll get saved in the end. They don't know. They do not know. In the end, that's the last thing they want. The majority of them are so, their consciences are so seared and angry. See, the devil comes after your roots and he wants to clog those roots because of this. 
<clears throat> because if they have a chance to repent at the end, they still refuse to. And then they'll go into eternity that angry. So maybe that is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But anyways, let's continue with the word here. We are reading today in Luke chapter 12, okay? All right, so... Uh, verse 10 and it says and whoso and you know I always do King James Version okay so it says and whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man it shall be forgiven him but unto him that blasphemes against the Holy Ghost it shall not be forgiven and when they bring you into the synagogues and unto magistrates and powers take ye no thought of how or what you will answer and what you will say and we're going to see this a lot more in the coming near future is uh, persecution on such a greater level. But God is encouraging us in his word here that he will be with us at that point. Don't worry about tomorrow. Remember, I've been teaching you this. We ask the Lord, Lord, how can I serve you today? What can I do today? Uh, how, how can I please you today, Lord? Because you always have my tomorrow. We trust him for tomorrow, okay? So that's what he's saying. If tomorrow comes and if they persecute, if they throw me in jail because of something I've reported or something like that, I'm not to worry because he will be there. He will meet me at that point. He will give me the words to say at that point. And he will for you too. Amen. Okay, so let's continue here. Uh, okay, but when they bring you into the synagogues and under magistrates or powers... Take ye no thought of what thing you shall answer or what you shall say, for the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what you ought to say. And remember too, Brian, I was teaching you that we have to hear the Holy Ghost in this hour because if an EMP attack happens, remember I told you I was on a press conference call the other day where they discussed it straight up here from the top. Uh, so if that was to happen and everything blacked out, this is what we need more than food, water, anything. We need to have our hearing in the right place with God. Because when that happens, it's going to be like the book of Acts, where God speaks to me or gives me a dream and says, I want you to uh, go over here to H Street. I'm going to have a horse waiting on you there. You know, whatever. I'm going to have a horse waiting on you there. Okay, so I go over to 8th Street, and then there's a horse waiting. So I get on the horse, and then the Lord says, Now I want you to ride this horse and go to New York City. Okay, so I go to New York City. He tells, see, he is what will tell you how to overcome in that situation. But if you can't hear him now, the word says, if you can't hear him now, you won't hear him in the chaos when it's happening. Get your ears in tune with God now. Hear him now. While everything is sunshine and everything is... Uh, good where you can fine tune your hearing to the Holy Ghost because no matter what happens in this earth God has a plan for you and he wants to use you in all situations in the good and the bad okay so let's continue verse 12 we're in Luke chapter 12 verse 12 for the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what you ought to say and one of the company said unto him master Speak to my brother that he divides the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? <laughs> it's funny. 
And he said unto him, this is Jesus talking, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. What? What? You mean your life is not measured by what you do or what you possess? No. That's what Jesus said. Come on. Let's get off our high horse and get back on the low horse. The low horse is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And listen to what he says. Get our priorities in order, right? So he says here in verse 16, And he spoke a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. <coughs> and he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do because I have no room to bestow my fruits? Like, I've got so much stuff, I have no room to put them. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and all my goods. In other words, he's making all these plans of how he's going to store. <coughs> Excuse me, how he's going to store all his wealth. Okay, so... And I will say, now we're on verse 19. And I will say to my soul, So, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take ease, eat and drink, because you're so rich now. You have it perfect. <laughs> That's the way it's said. Now, this is Jesus talking. That's what he's saying right here. In Luke chapter 12, verse 19, it says, And be merry. But God says unto him, You fool. This night your soul shall be required of thee. Ooh, we do not want to hear God say that. No, no, no. But why, why does God say that? This man thought he was doing the way the world expects him to do. Let me gather all these riches. Let me store all these riches up, and then I can sit back and relax and retire, and everything's all as well. But God says, you're a fool. Why does God say that? He says, This night your soul will be required of you then. Whose shall these things be which thou hast provided? Like, who's going to take it after you're gone? So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Are you rich towards God today? Am I rich towards God today? Examine our heart, Lord. And he said this, verse 22. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body, what you shall put on. What? Boy, this goes against the worldly ideology, don't it? The life is more than that. It's more than what you eat, and it's more than what you wear. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither has storehouses nor barn, and God feeds them. How much more are you better than the fowls? And which of you which taketh thought can add to his stature one cubit? If you then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Which means your priorities are in the wrong place. 
We have to make sure, bride, we are not living by the spirit of Antichrist. Okay? And that's what that is. The world has different expectations for mankind. It has different uh, ideologies than what the kingdom of God has for mankind. God's kingdom has different priorities. And that's where God wants us to align up with. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not. They spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Neither be ye of doubtful mind. I've had to pray and repent oh, many times over the past six years. Lord, forgive me for doubting you for providing. Now I know he's going to. And seek ye not what ye shall eat and what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. Come on, that's what he's saying. This is the way the world thinks. The world thinks, I have to have the best clothes. I have to eat at the best places. I have to hang around the best people. That is the world's type of thinking. But it's not God's type of thinking. God's type of thinking is totally different. So let's see what G. This is Jesus talking. Let's see what Jesus says right here. And your father knows that you have need of all these things. But rather, here's what Jesus wants us to do as the bride. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. Fear not, little flock. Are you his flock, bride? We are his flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And I receive it, Lord. I receive it. When I lost those that 60 pounds and I got down to this size, all of a sudden, clothes appeared. You know, because by this time I've already lost, I think it's like six dress sizes. All these clothes appear. God just gives me these clothes. And so... <laughs> so I looked at these clothes, bride, and I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what? Uh, they looked a lot smaller than I was used to, and so I put them on, and it's like, bloop, there you go. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, I guess I have lost a lot of weight. Uh, but the point is, he clothes me, and that's what he'll do for us. We seek ye first the kingdom of God, and we obey him even when it sounds crazy. And remember, I told you last night on the broadcast, I said, we eventually, when you live this life of obedience, you, you just quit measuring whether it sounds crazy or not. You just go. You, I mean, in the beginning, you're like, oh, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. You want me to travel across this entire country in this old broke-down car with a rod knocking and bald tires and a hundred, I think it was... 140,000 miles or something. It was a lot of thousand miles. And you want me to travel this entire country? And uh, sure enough, I took off by faith and he did it. 36 states, 18,000 miles, um, six months. 
six-month tour across this nation. Now tell me that don't sound crazy. And then he says, you're driving to a doctor. And he says, turn right. And you're like, what? Turn right. Turn left. Turn right, right, right. And then he tells you, see that house over there? I want you to go up there and knock on that door because there's somebody there that I want you to pray for. So you go up there. Somebody comes to the door. Hello. It's this big burly man. Hello. And I said, sir, I said, I don't know you, but uh, I was in prayer and the Lord told me to come over here and to pray for you today. And he says, oh, okay, well, come in. So you come in and you start praying. And then the Holy Ghost starts revealing what's in this man's heart. What it is, is the Lord reveals uh, where it was that the break happened between him and this human. So the Lord will reveal to you these things. And so you pray and you're like, sir, the Lord is showing me that when you was a child, this happened between you and your father. And, and next thing you know, the man is on his knees. He is on his knees weeping. And he said, I just told the Lord that if he would send somebody to pray for me, I would give my life to him. Because he thought it was a crazy request asking the Lord to send somebody to his house. And then you're just minding your own business going down the road and then you hear God turn right, turn left, turn God. And then you go over there and you're obeying God and then a salvation comes. One time I was in the church. Y'all know I like telling these stories. One time I was in this church. It was an assembly of God in Clarksville. And it was really big. It was like 2,000 people. And so I'm sitting way on the other side of the church. And at, during the altar call, the Holy Spirit shines a light on this man across the room in the front. And the Holy Spirit tells me, I want you to go over there and I want you to pray for that man. So I was like, okay. You know, I knew he was a military man. And so I went over there and I said, he had his head down. And you could, li listen, Brad, you could literally see this man gripping the pew in front of him like he was having this warfare. And so I told him, I said, sir, I was sitting across the room and the Holy Spirit told me to come over here and pray for you. Can I pray for you? And he just started weeping. I just told the Lord, I can't give my life to him unless he sends somebody over here. Hey, Althea, I'm telling a story of what happened in your church years ago. This is Althea's church that I'm talking about. And so when I went up to him, I told him, I said, Sir, I was sitting way over there and the Lord told me to come up here and pray for you. And so he just cracks. I mean, just cracks. I just told the Lord that if he would send somebody over here to pray for me, that I would give my life to him because I just can't go to the altar. And so I prayed for him, and the man got saved right there. But see, it's that obedience. If we do not listen to him, you know, people, I, I, I can't, there are so many stories of how obedience has uh, done crazy miracles. But we have to obey him because God knows people's hearts. Okay, so let's continue in the word here. Where was we? Okay, here we go. 28. Okay, no, here it is. 32. Fear not, little flock. This is Saint, This is Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure. 
to give you the kingdom. He wants to give all these things to you. He just wants to make sure it's not in your heart. Because if you have, this is what the Lord showed me what an idol is. An idol, an idol is something that you have before God that is more important. So if he sees that you are going to pick your children over him, they may be a big price to pay. If, you, if he sees that you love your car more than him, your spouse more than him, your job more than him, your video games more than him, your television shows more than him, whatever, 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 he will test that loyalty, and he may end up taking it from you. Uh, there is many ministers that will change their entire ministry just because their children decide to go off and sin. And so what they'll do then, because it's their own children that did it, they will, be, they will change their uh, sermons to match what their children are doing. They will totally sell out to the devil, and that's what they've done. That's why we cannot, we have to pick the word of God over any relationship, no matter what it costs you. Because the Bible says if you love your kids more than me, you're not worthy of the kingdom. If you love your spouse more than me, you're not worthy of the kingdom. Why is that? Because this word is the absolute truth. If somebody you love decides to go off into a sin, that's between them and God. But we as a Christian cannot participate in it. We cannot sign off on it. We cannot endorse it. And so, you know, we will answer to God if we partner with it. For instance, that day of silence, if that was in your school and then... You said a vow, you have participated, thus you're a part of that sin. That's why we cannot do that. And so, if your children decide to go off and do that, then they just have to do that on their own free will. I mean, people are going to do what they're going to do. But, it looks like we're hard people. It looks like we're being cold. Because we're standing by the word of God. But the word says, do you love what I love? Do you hate what I hate? It's not that we uh, are not loving our children or our spouse or, you know, whoever this is in our life that is going off into error. It's that we love God more and we're going to pray for you that you will see the truth. Because what's happened, Brad, is these family members that have went off into these sins have listened to the devil. These are lies that they have believed. So if you partner with them, okay, and you say, oh, it's okay that you're doing that. The Lord knows. I'm still going to pray for you, but I'll, I'll go and do all this with you, and I'll, I'll participate with you in this, and, you know, because the Lord knows. I've heard preachers on the platform preach this vomit. The Lord knows the sin you're in, and he loves you the same. People, he cannot be around sin. The, have you studied the tabernacle? Have you studied how he is about sin? How dangerous is it to teach this? It's a once saved, always saved vomit doctrine. It is not true. No, we constantly have to die. We have to change. We have to, you know, uh, obey him. And so sin has to be kept in its right place. And if we partner with our family because we want them in our life so much 
that we cannot agree with God because we would lose. We don't want to lose this over here. So we'll compromise the word of God to keep this. But what's hard is, is when God says, let it go. Let me have them. You know, do you love me more than you love them? And then you have to talk to them and you have to say, look, the word of God says this is sin and I cannot participate in it. And I'll pray for you, but I cannot participate in that lifestyle and I can't endorse it. You know, I will answer to the Lord for that. And I love you enough to say no because I don't want you to go to hell. And then you come over here and let them go off into their depravity. And, and, you know, it's like the Bible says you have to give them over to the devil for a while. Let them get whipped a little bit by the devil. And in the meantime, you're praying. And you are putting a wall of protection around them. And you are asking God to move. You're saying, God, I trust you with my children. You said if I will train them up in the way they should go, they will not depart from it, Lord. And your word says that my household will be saved. And you're proclaiming that word of God, even though they're out here doing their shenanigans. And then what's terrible is when other people see their shenanigans and then they use it against you. Well, look at your children out here doing all this. Yeah, and what about it? They're grown people. They're, you know what I'm saying? They're grown people. They're going to do what they're going to do. You know, they have their choices in life like I have my choices in life. I'm praying for them. You see what I mean? Like, uh, I'm not participating in their sin. I'm not endorsing their sin. That's between them and they are a total human between God. But I refuse to participate in sin. So I will not do it, you know. So let's continue on here. Okay, so it says right here, we're still in Luke 12. Okay, I'm over here. Okay, so he says, in verse 32, he says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And we know he wants to brag. So verse 33, sell all that you have. What? What? You're kidding. You want me to give up my possessions? How dare you ask me to give up my possessions? What kind of God are you? Bride, he's asked me, I can't tell you how many times. He didn't tell me sell either. He said, yeah. So, whatever he tells you, you just got to do it, Brad. So, he says, sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags, which wax not old. A treasure in the heavens that fails not. And you know what, Brad? This is funny. But years ago, whenever God told me uh, to give away my car, give away my furniture, give away my house, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and you know since then and he's told me that about clothes and whatnot since then he gives me all that now he I guess he tested my heart and so now he you know it's like he tested me so now he gives you know so now I don't have to worry about it. like for instance a car I know I have a car coming really soon so he always gives me cars he gives me clothes cars houses and when everything comes in his timing it'll be in his timing 
But the point is, is that he wants to know, do you love me more than you love a house? Do you love me more than you love those clothes or love me more than you love furniture or a job or anything else? He has to know this. So he says here in verse 33, Sell all that you have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old. A treasure in the heavens that fell not, where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupt. Come on now. When God knows your heart is the key. When God knows your heart, he will give unto thee, because the moth will not corrupt when he knows your heart. And I want to share a story about Althea. Althea, we all went to church together years ago at the Assembly of God in Clarksville. And uh, this is back when I first got saved. Uh, back, Well, my conversion, I'd say, back in my 20. I was 20. And I got delivered from demon possession. I was on the Ouija board for 18 months. And I ended up demon possessed and God delivered me. And then we started going to this Assembly of God church. It was on fire for God. And another city is about an hour away. So we would be like the bandits. Boy, we'd be flying to church. you know, And we would have the best time in our car traveling to church, just singing and worshiping the Lord. And we have so many good stories of when we'd worship the Lord and the shoes would go flying in the air and we'd be shouting. And the, hey, those were back in the days when you were at the altar interceding for hours. You didn't leave that altar until you got what you came after. That was the kind of church. Man, I miss those kind of churches. I mean, they had the altars there. And we was down there, and we would be on the floor just wailing, weeping, crying, praying for people. People would get delivered. Alcoholics would come up there, and we'd pray for them. Uh, people on drugs. You know, it's just the altars was the best part of the service. Now, how many of y'all can say that about your church today? This is back then, 20 years ago. Well, I'm telling my age now, 30 years ago. <laughs> that was 30 years ago. But uh, back then, the altar calls were the best part of the service. You couldn't wait for the altar call. Because you would go up there and you knew the presence of God was down there. And, you know, we would be down there and you would see the most amazing things uh, happen at the altar. But anyways... So me and mom and our friend Wanda, we go to church every service. I mean, we just loved it. Okay, so one day, we love this woman named Althea. So Althea, uh, she was kind of like us. She was a wild woman, <laughs> you know. And uh, we all became friends. And we used to go to prayer meetings together. Well, one day, we was driving to church, having a good time. And we looked over, and here's Althea walking to church. And we was like, what? And so, it was either walking to church or walking home from church. So, the Lord uh, spoke to them and said, we want y'all. The Lord told my mom and Wanda, I want y'all to buy her a car. And so, they went off on this adventure <laughs> to find the car for Althea. And what an adventure it was. I mean, it's so awesome to be able to bless people, you know. So they find this car. Now, Althea had... Althea, how many kids did you have uh, back then? Uh, I can't remember. She had a lot of kids. 
So they went off and found her this old, I think it was a station wagon, wasn't it? Uh, it was one of them, you know, big cars uh, where she could put all her kids in. <laughs> That's why I love JJ and Wanda for life for obeying God. Althea, how many kids did you have then? Was it three or four? But the point is, we brought the car to church one night. And so we told Althea to come outside. And uh, they said, hey, Althea, you know, they was like, the Lord told us to give you and your family this car. Oh, I just want to cry thinking about it. But God really blessed Althea. And she was so happy. She was crying so happy. And then, you know, that's a story that today, two kids. Okay. That's a story today that we love to tell because those were the results of the altars. Being up there at the altars every service, I mean, those were the times that you lived for. I can remember at that time, see, I was in an abusive marriage and I would live at those altars like, whew, just crying out to God. And, you know, come to think of it, Althea, is... All the people that was involved in those days uh, that was going to those prayer meetings over there at Sister Gladys's house, you remember that? All of those people went off to greatness. I mean, the results, the fruit of those prayer meetings from back then to now is uh, amazing. What God has done. Uh, Lord, please take our churches back to those altar calls. Those all, you know, and I think, Brian, that a lot of the reason the churches do not have them is they're scared of them. Come on. They're scared of how people will react in the spirit. Because we had a pastor back then. It was Brother Jones. <laughs> that Brother Jones was a wild man. He was one of them hellfire and brimstone preachers. And the church was packed. I mean, we had like over 2,000 people every service. You couldn't hardly move. But we also had a rocking choir, you know, and the choir would take us into the glory. But those altar calls was the whole reason of the, of the magnitude. It was the altar calls were amazing. And so they brought it to your house. Oh, that's what it was out there. Oh, they brought the car to her house and gave it to her. Yes. Teresa used to have altar calls like that. Amen, Althea. It's coming back in Jesus' name. <laughs> Teresa, I love your glasses. Yes, yeah, somebody gave these to me. But going back to that, see, those altar calls, when the people would go down there and they would just pray until their victory came and see you would see so many different manifestations of God at the altars because people would be down there rolling on the floor where they were in the middle of visions. They would be weeping. I mean, just wailing and weeping because their hurts inside was just pouring out at the altar. You know what I'm saying? It was just pouring out. And then there'd be people shouting. <laughs> we was those shouting girls. Uh, there'd be people shouting. And uh, running around the church. I mean, it was a lot of manifestations that a lot of churches are scared of today. Uh, but because of that, a lot of people got set free in that community. I'm telling you. Okay, well, let's continue on with the Word of God. We are still in Luke. Luke chapter 12. What a great chapter. 
this whole chapter is Jesus encouraging us to trust in him no matter what. Don't let your material possessions get in the way of your calling with God. Don't worry about what's going to happen today. God is always there today. He's always there tomorrow. He's going to provide for you today and he's going to provide for you tomorrow. That's basically what he's saying in this chapter. Don't get caught up in your material possessions and in your title and in your position in society. And don't do all that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. But your heart will be right. That's the difference. He's going to test your heart. And he wants nothing in front of him. He is the Almighty and there's no other way around it. Okay, so let's go here, back to verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell all that you have <laughs> and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old. A treasure in the heavens that fails not, where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupt. In other words, when God's in it, that's when it's blessed. If you're getting all of your material things because you're charging it by credit cards and you're trying to look good in front of all these people, you know, and you're robbing Peter to pay Paul just to look good in front of people, you know, that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is listen to God. If he wants everything you got, give it to him. If he tells you to give something away, just give it. Let it go. Material things are not there to be a hindrance between you and God. And that's what he's saying right here. When God blesses you with the material things, it's a good blessing because your heart is not in it. You don't have a soul tied to these things. You see what I'm, Do you see what I'm saying, Brad? You don't have, it doesn't have a hold on you. It is here, but it's the Lord's. Everything that you have is the Lord's. He can have it back at any moment. And the same with your ministry. The same with your children, your spouse, everything about you, even your own life. Your own life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. And if God wants your life, he's going to require it. You could fall over right now and not breathe anymore. Because God is in control. Everything we have is his. Everything that we are is his. Okay, so what does it say here, Brad? It says, sell all that you have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags with wax, which wax not old. A treasure in the heavens that fails not, where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupt. When God's in it, see. For where your treasure is, this is the key. Where your treasure is, is where your heart is. That's the key. And that's what God wants to know. Where is your true loyalty? Is, am I your first love? That's what he's asking us. Am I your first love? Do I override all of this? That's what he wants to know. For where your treasure is, there's your heart too. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And you yourselves like unto men that wait for the Lord... When he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, that they may be open unto him immediately. Come on. We do not want any doors shut in our life as the bride of Christ, do we, bride? No, we don't. 
We want our doors wide open, and when our king comes, we want to just run through that door. I feel the presence of God so thick right now. When our king comes, we want to run through that door. We want to embrace our king. We don't want things holding us back. We don't want our material things with a string in our back. We don't want to have to look back and say, No! You see what I'm saying? No, we want everything about us. All of, our, all of that stuff is broken off of us and behind us. See what I mean? When the doors open and the king comes, we want to be a bride that is like, whoosh, we want to go forward. We want all that he has for us. And I feel his presence so thick. Whew. We don't want to be restricted, held back, denied, because we can't let go of the earth. That's what it is, bride. It's that we have to know we're from another world. We are not of this world. Yes, we have children. Yes, we may be married. Yes, we have these material things. But when our king comes, there is nothing on this earth that's going to hold us back from embracing that king. Nothing. All this stuff, we was the way we look at it with our children is this. We have 18 years. 18 years to influence those children that for the rest of their life they're going to choose God. What they do with it when they leave our home and we release them to God, what they do with it from there is between them and God. We pray for them. But if they choose to go down the wrong road, they are a human who is making that choice. Just like these illegal immigrants that come up here and they choose to bring their children through Mexico and through all the violence with the cartels, they are choosing to bring their children up in a life of sin. They are choosing to disobey the laws of the United States. And if those children are left, who made that choice? Not President Trump. Who made the choice? The parent. The parent is the one that made that choice, and they are accountable to God for that. It's not America's fault that these children are being split from their parents. That is a democratic ideology trying to make everyone feel guilty. It's goofy. It's a whole spirit of lawlessness I've been trying to teach you. Okay, so let's continue here. All right, where are we at? Okay, so verse 35, let your loins be girded about, which means your equipment, have your equipment on, and your lights burning. Lord, please don't let our lights burn out, Lord. And you yourselves like unto men that wait for the Lord when he will return from the wedding that when he comes and knocks they may be open unto him immediately. Nothing holding us back from opening that door to the king. <clears throat> yes, Lord. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord when he comes shall find them watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit with meat and will come forth and serve them. All our king is going to serve us in the future again at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Can you believe that? At 39, And this know that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and have not suffered his house to be broken through. And I just want to say this too, Brad. I'm 50, okay? 
I have been on this earth 50 whole entire years. And it has went by like this. It is a fleeting moment. See, the devil lies to us and says, oh, you got more time. Uh, you can mess around. You can stop smoking in 20 years. You know, don't you don't have to stop having sex outside of marriage now. You can do it later. Just enjoy yourself while you're young. And, and you can do all this stuff. See, all that mess is a lie from the pits of hell. We have no time. Time is not on our side here on the earth. When we get to heaven, then it's on our side. Right now, time is our enemy. You got to look at it like this, Brad. Time is our enemy. We are soldiers in the army of the living God, and we've got to fight. So how much time do we have left? Okay? I may have 50 years left. I may have five years left. I may have five minutes left. But whatever time is left, I want to fight. I want to obey the Lord. I want to do what he's called me to do. Help me, Lord, to regain the time. Help me to do what you want us to do because we know even if I live here another 50 years, Brad, even if, when we all stand in heaven together and I'm reading your books about what you did on the earth and laughing, <laughs> y'all know we're going to do that up in heaven. We're going to read each other's books and we'll say, hey, Althea, I want to see what your life was like. And so I'll be reading Althea's book. Her book of destiny. Althea, what was you thinking when you did that back in 1994? What was you thinking? And then Althea would be like, well, you know. And so we're going to sit there through eternity. Then we have time on our side. But right now, bribe, we do not. The Lord has written that book of destiny. And he says, I want her life to look like this. All she has to do is listen and let me lead. And let me have the pen... Let me have the pen and I will write those future chapters. I will take her to the place of that destiny. The problem is, is that as the church, we have a hard time handing him the pen because we want to control things ourselves. And see, this is where the trouble comes because then we get off into disobedience. We get off into rebellion. Did you know that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft? When you get it set in your mind that you want things a certain way because you don't want to suffer and you don't want to do it the way God wants you to do, you're operating in witchcraft because you're being rebellious. And the Bible says rebellion, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Let's continue here. Okay, and verse 38, this is Luke chapter 12, verse 38. And if he shall come in the second watch, okay, or come in the third watch, and find them so, blessed are those servants. This is Jesus talking. And this know that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and have not suffered his house to be broken into. In other words, keeping the guts shut, the gates shut, keeping the gates shut. No, I'm not opening my gate to perversion. No, I'm not going to partner with you devils out here that are passing laws that are uh, hurting the entire country because of perversion and vomit that you're trying to push down Americans' throat. I'm not going to partner with you. I am going to keep my gate shut. 
when my Jesus comes back, I want to be able to run through that door. I want to be able to go with my Jesus back to heaven. I don't want to be held back because I've got strings. I've got strings attached to me because of the earthly realm that I want to keep a hold of things. No, cut those messy strings off. Anything that is a, a vine that is attached to perversion, a vine that is attached to the demonic realm, cut that mess off. When Jesus comes and we run through that door, we want to be a bride without spot and wrinkle, baby. We don't want to be sitting there, you know, dabbling. Uh, I still kind of like this sin. I still kind of want, I still want to do this. So I'm not sure if I'm ready to run through that door. It won't be pretty, bride. If you're left on this earth, it will not be pretty. All right, let's continue here. Uh, verse 40. We're in Luke chapter 12, verse 40. Of course, this is the King James Version. Okay, verse 40. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man comes in an hour when you think not. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Let me see if I can find this song on YouTube. Oh, this is the prettiest, prettiest song of, uh, let's see, prettiest song. Let me see if this is it. No, I think it's called Come, C-O-M-E, Come Song. Hmm. Let's see if this is one we carry Joe. Let's see. Yeah, I use my mobile phone for business and personal calls. But I don't really like giving out my No, it's the Revelation song. But anyways, there's a song. It's called Come. And it talks about Jesus coming back. It's a very uh, intimate, romantic uh, song between him and the bride that when he comes back, you know, we will be ready. And we will be ready to see him it will be a very uh intimate moment between us and our king we've waited all this time and bride this is why i believe i really believe this is by my heart that we are the remnant right we are <clears throat> and i'm gonna talk to my fellow brothers and sisters right now from the bottom of my heart listen i know that our nation is in a lot of trouble i'm not dumb i am up here and i i see it uh, from a different point of view, just because I'm up here and I see with my natural eyes what's happening. And that's why I'm so passionate when I'm trying to tell you what the Democrats are doing and I'm trying to tell you what I see up here. It's because my natural eyes are seeing this. I walk down the halls of the U.S. Capitol and I see these Democrats that look like they're walking uh, soulless. You know, it's because they're so bound up in this spirit uh, that they, a lot of them are trapped in it. A lot of them are probably being bribed in it, you know, to where they have to stay and they can't, you know, in their natural self, they think they can't get out. They're trapped, you know, is what I see in the spirit. And people can make fun of me of what they want. I'm telling you from a first eye view what I'm seeing, okay? And so then, since I worked for a lawyer when I was in grad school, I learned how to read law language. So now I'm starting to look at this legislation that the Democrats are passing. 
And I am just, I am absolutely appalled, especially when I think of Christians that support this vomit. And that's why I've been so outspoken about it, trying to tell the church, don't you know that God would never approve of this mess? Don't you see it? Like, what about the word of God do you not understand out there? I don't, <laughs> you know, like, I don't get it. There is no way, and the only reason I ever hear people that say I vote Democrat because of one thing they say is racism. And they say, and then my first thought is, okay, so racism, what the narrative you think you know based upon the mainstream media's description of racism, and what the portrayal that they're trying to put out, you're using that as an excuse to partner with abortion to partner with all the other perversion that they push down the pike, to partner with death, to partner with killing babies after they're born. I mean, this is more important to you. I mean, really. How sick has the church gotten that this is a priority for people? And then I tell them, okay, you have to look at it like this. Social justice or God's justice. That's the difference. It shows the people that choose the social justice over God's justice is sick because they have roots that have not been dealt with. They're so bitter and they're so angry that their uh, worldly issues, okay, are more important than God's issues. And that's really sad that our church has gotten to this point. And I'm trying to expose it to show you all right, church, okay. Even if you voted Democrat in 2018, I mean as recent as last year, it is so obvious, God, since they now have control, their roots are being exposed beyond belief. Their fruits are out here for an ugly demonstration across the United States of America. It is the rottenest fruit I have ever seen coming off a branch. Okay, now you know, okay? Now you know. Turn from your wicked ways. Repent. Renounce. And say, oh my gosh, Lord, I have partnered with this. I signed off on it. I endorse them to pull the plug. I endorse them to kill children after they were born. I endorse them to split up marriages. I endorse them to invade educational systems. I endorse them to destroy the very fabric of the United States. I repent, Lord. I repent. I am so sorry, Lord, that I have done this. And I am repenting, renouncing, and coming out of agreement with that party. I am coming out of agreement with everything they stand for. I don't want to touch it again. I don't want nothing else to do with it. That's right. Renouncing and turning. And people say, well, I don't really have to do that. I just, I'll just vote Republican next time. And, and I may vote Democrat again in the future. Okay, well, God knows your roots and you're still attached. There was a guy, people think renouncing is not important. It is very important, Brad. I was with this guy on a missions trip. And he's white, but he used to be Muslim, okay? And so the way that he treated women, I knew he still was Muslim. He still had his allegiance to their ideology. 
Because in case you don't know, a lot of the Muslims, the way they treat women are very rude and very men in power and women down low and, you know, all this other stuff they think. So that's the way he was. And him a Christian, okay? He still was like that. He always had to be first. He wouldn't open doors. He would over-talk women, overpower women, dismiss women, blah, blah, blah. And so then he was still sympathetic to the Muslim cause because we got into some conversation about Muslims. And he would defend them. He'd say, well, when I was in there, the reason they did this is blah, blah, blah. So he would defend them. So finally, after being around this man three or four days, I just looked at him and I said, Sir, have you ever renounced your uh, position when you was a Muslim, your participation in that? And boy, Brad, let me tell you something. It was like this demon just come right out of this man. He got so angry when I asked him that. He goes, I don't have to renounce it. And I said, I guess you do because those roots are still there. You are still sympathetic to their cause, and that is in contradictory to a Christian walk. Why would you not want to renounce it? What is it that is such an allegiance that you cannot renounce that vomit that you was involved in? Do you not know that, Bride? Because what happens is, when you participate in sin, let me tell you what happens. You have this demon over here, and this demon says, you need to join Islam because of this, this, and this, right? Okay, so then you think about it, and you ponder it, and then you decide, okay, I'm going to join this party. So you go over here and you join it, and then you start participating in their sin. Okay, well then it starts coming in your heart, okay? So now you've got all these roots from this sin that you have participated in. Okay, and then years down the road, you decide you wanted to become a Christian, Okay. So, Christianity is directly opposite from Islam, okay? So, then you become a Christian. Now, you got to do something about them roots because them roots are going to be coming to the surface, okay? The way that you deal with those roots is you cut it off real quick by renouncing it. I renounce all of my allegiance I had to the Islam, to that religion, everything I'd done and said that partnered with that religion... You know, you had, because your mouth comes in agreement with things. Your mouth came in agreement with that Islam spirit. Okay, the spirit of Antichrist basically is what it is. So you use your mouth to reverse it and say, okay. Remember, Bride, when I had that guy on here, Don Allen, uh, who wrote that book about the seven days with a witch, remember? She had to renounce it. She had to renounce her loyalty to witchcraft. And then she went back to all those places in the city where she had spoken those curses, and then she reversed it. What did she do? She renounced what she said. She come out of agreement with it and chopped that thing off. And so that's what I'm trying to say. When you come to the realization that you have partnered with a satanic organization, the Democratic Party, who does nothing but pull together everybody that's anti-Christian, it's, I mean, Brian, it's so in-your-face, plain, it's not even funny. All them groups that are anti-Christian are under the Democratic umbrella. And then how dare a Christian, a fellow Christian, join this anti-Christian group. Okay, so then they join it, and you want to come out of it? Okay, then renounce it. 
renounce it with your mouth. Say, I renounce every allegiance I have with that organization, everything they've done that's anti-Christian. I come out of agreement with it. If not, you're still in agreement with it. Okay? Hey, that's my little sermon today. Okay, so let's continue. We're almost finished with this scripture here. Um, verse 37, Luke 12, well, let's see here. Verse 41, then Peter said to him, Lord, speaketh thou this parable unto us or even to all? And the Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household? Do you want to be a ruler, bride? Yes, Lord. We want to be a ruler. Whom the Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season. That's the key, bride. The Lord is going to give us the kingdom in his timing. The Lord's going to give me a car I need in his timing. The Lord's going to give me a house I need in his timing. The Lord's going to give us this promotion in his timing. This thing in his timing. See, we just have to wait on him. Okay, so then, verse 43, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But, and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delays his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maid servants, and to eat and drink, and to be drunken. The Lord of that servant will come in a day <clears throat> when he looks not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him asunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. Wow. We do not want to be left behind. Basically, that's what he's saying. In other words, if you can't cut the unholy, then why do you expect God to cut off of you. I mean, it's that simple, basically. Okay, verse 47. And that servant which knew his Lord's will. <coughs> excuse me. Who knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did, according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. And you know, bright I look and I think, oh, man. I see a lot of people I went to Bible college with off into sin, and it just hurts. And I know they feel the same way about me when I was off in sin. It really hurts. But we just have to trust the Lord. And then in verse 48, he says, But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of his stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. And you know, bride, the Lord told me six years ago, he said, uh, you cannot run from your destiny anymore. Because I was. Uh, the way that Bible college ended, I was so sad about it. Uh, and all these, you know, all the stuff. I wouldn't give God everything. Like I was still in church like everybody else, you know. Uh, I was just, you know, still smoking and you know, going out partying with the other lawyers, <laughs> carrying on, and, you know, drinking and just living the average life, 
You know what I mean? Like, uh, I was still in church and everything. I still told everybody I was a Christian. I just was not uh, sold out completely where I would give God everything, you know? And so, when it says here, for whomsoever much is given, much is required. So the Lord spoke to me, and he said, your grace, I mean, your destiny is so big, you cannot, you cannot go back anymore. You cannot mess around with the devil. And so that's one reason why I've been so passionate over the past six years and so uh, in your face. First of all, the Lord shut off, told me to not watch any news, listen to the radio or nothing for three years. Three years when I was serving all these ministries, uh, the Lord wouldn't let me look in the world, basically. He kept me in a bubble because he wanted to do a lot of cleaning house. Okay, when I got back in the world and I started seeing television again, I was absolutely shocked. I mean, shocked at the vomit coming through the television because now I was not indoctrinated. Now I was not slowly cooked in a pot like a frog where they would just show a, a lesbian couple coming together where they would just say we're getting married and it wouldn't show it. Now they show them making out in the big gross, gross stuff. And now it's in cartoons. Oh my goodness. And the way that people just Christians allow their children and grandchildren to watch all this vomit. Now the cartoons are full of demonic-looking characters with horns and, and big fangs, ugly teeth, to raise children thinking that's normal. See what I mean? Terrible, 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 terrible. And then they let the children watch these video games that have got these Pokemon-looking characters that's got these horns and they're all, you know, looking demonic, but yet they think it's okay. I mean, just when you come back in the world, you're like, what? what in the world has happened to society that these parents cannot see it right in front of their face? It's because over time, they've been slowly cooked in a pot type of deal. But whom much is given, much is required. And to whom men have committed much, and to him he will ask the more. I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it's already kindled? But if I have a baptism to be baptized with, then how am I straightened till it become accomplished? Suppose that I come to give you peace on earth, I tell you nay, but rather division. And see, that's another thing about the world. They want to say, oh, we want peace, and then they compromise with all these other religions and becoming coexisting in the ecumenical movement and you can't do that. No, 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 no. We cannot partner with the devil. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son and the son against the father and the mother against the daughter and the daughter against the mother. The mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And he said also to the people, When you see a cloud rise out of the west, straightway you say, There comes a shower, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, There will be heat, and it comes to pass. You hypocrites, 
You can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that you do not, do not discern this time? Yea, and why even of yourselves judge ye not what is right? I said today, like, how can the Christians not see what's right in front of their face? When thou goest with thine adversary to the magistrate, as thou art in the way, give diligence that thou mayest be delivered from him. Lest he hail thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and the officer cast thee into prison, I tell you, thou shalt not depart thence, till thou hast paid the very last might. In other words, let's just do what the Lord tells us to do, Brian. If you're interested, this is the Thompson Chain Reference Bible. It's my absolute favorite. I love it. Well, Brian, it's been an awesome time today of worship, I mean, an awesome time of word with you, morning devotion, and I pray you have a wonderful day. Uh, we will be live tonight when I do the fellowship with the people. Wow, it's already 11.30. Wow. All right, let me see what y'all are saying here. Amen. I needed to hear this today. As the blessings come, you have to adjust and talk to the Lord and love on Him about them. Give Him the glory. Amen. All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Sherry, Nancy, Teresa, Althea, Angela, Carolyn, and Sherry. Good morning. Donna. Let's see on here. Good morning, Bill. Donna, Beth. Good morning, Beth. I pray you're feeling better. Sister, I prayed for you. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Guy. I can't wait to meet you, sir. Good morning, Miss Katie. Good morning, Sherry, Teresa, Nancy, Althea. Cindy, good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Dr. Morris. Hey, I am sending somebody to you from Washington State. If you're still watching, Dr. Morris. Uh, I have some friends that need to go through deliverance, and I'm recommending you to them. So, we will be contacting you. All right, let's see. Doug Taylor, hello, cousin. Hello, Miss Penny. Hello, Miss Sherry. God bless you, Christy. Hello, Julia. Rebecca, Sheila, hello. Hello, everybody. I can't see everybody. All right, well, I will talk to you later, and God bless you.